There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. In 2020, events have again shone a light on inequalities across the globe, and Australia is not an exception. 20 years on from the reconciliation walks of the year 2000, this nation's journey towards more just, equitable and reconciled identity still has a long way to go. With that in mind and in the spirit of reconciliation, we acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to the Elders past, present and emerging and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. Welcome to the Policy Forum Pod, the podcast for those who want to dig a little deeper into the policy challenges facing Australia and the region. I'm Artie Bettigera, your guest presenter for this episode in our Making the Invisible Visible bonus series. Policy Forum Pod is a podcast series brought to you by PolicyForum.net. We're based at Crawford School of Public Policy, the Asia-Pacific's leading graduate policy school. Crawford School is home to some of the leading researchers in the field of public policy. So if you're considering a change in your career or want to upskill, we're sure that we've got a degree course that will take your fancy. Check out our wide range of postgraduate degrees and short courses at crawford.anu.edu slash study. In this special bonus series, we're exploring work done by researchers from Crawford School over the past 12 years on an ambitious project to redefine how poverty is measured, taking an innovative, rights-based and people-centred approach. This has been collaborative research, and the past four years were a partnership between ANU and the International Women's Development Agency, with funding from the Australian Government through the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade. Using a new approach known as the Individual Deprivation Measure during its development and now renamed as the Individual Measure of Multidimensional Poverty, the project didn't just assess how many people are poor, but rather how they experience poverty. In measuring deprivation across 15 dimensions, the results have revealed some incisive and in-depth information about patterns of poverty. In this Making the Invisible Visible series, we'll be shedding light on the issue of poverty by breaking down the figures provided by this new measure, getting behind the data and seeing how it can help policymakers better direct resources. It was in 1995 at the UN Women's Conference in Beijing that the idea of the feminization of poverty was first discussed globally. In the decades since, it's become increasingly apparent that there is undeniably a gendered element to poverty. Learning more about how women experience poverty differently from men was a key element of the IDM project. And the surprising finding is that while, yes, women are more likely to be multidimensionally poor than men, the bigger picture is more complex than this. 
Janet Hunt is an Associate Professor at the ANU's College of Arts and Social Sciences, and Sharon Bessel is Professor of Public Policy at the Crawford School. Janet and Sharon led the IDM research. Welcome, Janet. Welcome, Sharon. Hello, Archie. Hi, Archie. It's good to be here. The IDM has been used in both South Africa and Indonesia. Let's start by looking at South Africa. Janet, what did you set out to achieve here? So as you've said, the IDM is a new measure of individual level multidimensional poverty and it's gender sensitive. So in this phase of the research, what we needed to do was to test it in the field, to see how well it performed, to um, amend it if we needed to, and of course, understand its potential with the data it produces in a number of countries. And South Africa was chosen partly because we had established links with uh, South Africa through the lead country researcher, Helen Such, and also there was interest within the South African government to trial it, and we were keen to include an African country to complement the Indonesian study that we were also doing. The survey itself covers all 15 dimensions of the IDM uh, and some basic demographic information and questions about assets so that we can calculate uh, an assets index and a few other general questions about their lives. Um, And the dimensions themselves cover both material and non-material aspects of poverty, so things like food, water and shelter. We also measure some aspects of life important to women that are not usually measured in poverty surveys, like access to sanitary products during menstruation, access to contraception, and, of course, prenatal health care. So it's a very different survey from standard poverty surveys. There are a lot of findings from your research, as you might expect from a study into the complex field of multidimensional poverty. What were some of the most surprising findings in South Africa? Well, I think, um, for me, in some ways, the most surprising finding was just how much data the IDM can produce and its enormous value in exploring what poverty looks like for different social groups. So the surprise was more about the measure than about the actual results in South Africa. Um, Overall, we did find that women were more deprived uh, on average, but not Uh, on every single um, aspect of poverty. So they were particularly deprived in relation to food, health, sanitation, relationships, their environment, and time use. But uh, one example of a really surprising result for me was in the voice dimension. And the voice dimension uh, has uh, a category about voting. And It was quite interesting that more women were least deprived than men and men were more men were most deprived in voting. So it was really strange that more uh, more women than men voted in the last election held in South Africa prior to the um, to the to the survey. And we could also see, by the way, that youth were much less likely to vote. Uh, than older age groups there, which is also troubling. Another surprise was that men scored more deprived than women in family planning. Um, And this really puzzled us. But the answer is that anyone who refused to answer the question gets scored at the midpoint 
which in this case meant they were categorized as deprived. But actually, what we what we also found is that equal numbers of men and women were categorized as most deprived. But of course, what that means is that that means that people have um, an unmet need for contraception. But of course, for women, that's a much more significant lack than it is for men. So although the numbers in that category were the, more or less the same for men and women, when you think about the consequences, they're very different for men and women. Sharon, the IDM was also used in Indonesia. What did the study tell us about the gendered nature of poverty there? In Indonesia, we worked in two districts in South Sulawesi, and we surveyed 5,600 people or just over, and we found some really interesting findings. We certainly found that poverty affects both women and men, and it often affects both women and men very, very deeply. But we also found that it affects them differently. And this appears to be due to gendered roles and gendered responsibilities. So let me just give you one example. In the food dimension, we found that women and men both experienced deep food insecurity. Women were more likely to be anxious about not having enough food, anxious about running out of food. And women were more likely to restrict their diets and to eat a narrow range of nutritious foods. Men were much more likely to report skipping a meal and going hungry or not eating as much as they felt they needed during the day. So how do we explain this? Well, I think we can extrapolate from this that it relates to the gendered roles and responsibilities that women and men have. Women are primarily responsible for feeding and caring for their families. And so when they're not able to do that, when they're fearful of running out of food, that worry and anxiety is really intense. And women, again, because of that role of caring for and feeding others, are more likely to restrict their overall intake of food. Whereas men, and we saw this particularly in urban areas, are more likely to be in paid employment away from the house and unable to access or to pay for food during the day. And so the way in which food insecurity plays out reflects the roles that women and men are playing. What we also saw in Indonesia is that gender intersects with age and gender also intersects with disability. And across every dimension of the IDM in Indonesia, women living with a disability were the most poor, the most deprived of the social groups that were assessed by the IDM. One of the issues that stood out to me was that time use is indeed gendered, something I think we're all starting to become aware of generally. How did this show up in the South African example? Yes, it it did show up quite clearly. Um, It showed that women are more deprived than men uh, and more than three times as many women are categorised as most deprived compared to men. So 8% of men compared with 27% of women are most deprived. Now, what that means is that these individuals spend at least 10 and a half hours a day, every day, on paid or unpaid work and other obligatory activities. So what that means is that these individuals spend at least 10 and a half hours a day, every day, on paid or unpaid work and other obligatory activities 
and that a third of their time is spent also caring for a child under 13 years of age or a sick, aged or disabled person. So what our time use dimension has really revealed is the gendered nature of care work. It was a very similar story in Indonesia. And I think this is one of the really interesting things, that while we saw some differences across dimensions between South Africa and Indonesia, in regard to time use, we do see a very, very similar story. And in Indonesia, as in South Africa, we see the very gendered nature of time use. We do see in Indonesia that both men and women have very heavy time burdens. Men were working quite long hours. But when we look at paid and unpaid work combined, we see that women's time burdens are far greater. And women worked, depending on the geographic location, between one and a half and two and a half hours more every day than men in paid and unpaid work combined. We also saw, similarly to South Africa, that women were far more likely to be on-call or multitasking. So that is to have multiple pressures on their time all at once. And in um, one region of Indonesia, in Pankhep, about 42% of women had a child in their care while they were undertaking other tasks. And this compared to just over 11% of men. So we see that really stark difference in terms of the multitasking and the multiple time burdens. The other thing that we saw in Indonesia, which I think is really interesting, is that young women were working more hours in paid and unpaid work and had greater time burdens than young men. And so what this suggests is that those patterns of time use, the gendered nature of time use and the particular deprivation of women is being reproduced across generations. And we're not seeing greater equality in terms of time use when we look at that younger cohort. So I think this is a really important finding um, and a really important issue to be addressed. Another standout difference we're seeing is in terms of safe environment. Women appear to have less access to a safe environment. Is this just at home or outside the house, Janet? Yes, in South Africa, the scores on uh, the indicator called safe environment within our environment theme are actually very low for men and women, but they're particularly low for women. In fact, we found that um, over 63% of women were categorised as either deprived or most deprived compared to just over 12% of men. So a five-fold difference in uh, gender experience of um, lack of safety, I guess. Um, and what it means is that these, uh, particularly women, are feeling unsafe or very unsafe at home alone or if they're walking alone in the neighbourhood or in the case of some of them, in both situations. So um, I think it's both in the public arena and in the home that some of them are feeling quite unsafe and, and far more women feeling unsafe than men, but everybody feeling pretty unsafe, to be honest. Janet, what do we learn from the IDM studies about the gendered nature of poverty? Yeah, well, we certainly learn a lot about the gendered nature of poverty. Um, from the South African case, it's pretty clear that women are poorer overall, 
But it's also the case that men experience particular deprivations. So it does indicate that we need to nuance our policy and program responses accordingly. And I think uh, just briefly on Indonesia, uh, I think it's also very clear there, perhaps more clear there, how gendered poverty is. And I think it's of enormous value to be able to break down poverty by various categories, gender and age and so on, as we are able to with the IDM, uh, and then really have a look at which are the social groups that are most deprived and in what ways are they most deprived. So we can really tailor our um, policy and program interventions to address those particular aspects of poverty that are affecting particular social groups. And uh, and I think that's that's very important. And I think um, we're also able to see, for example, when you start doing intersectional work, uh, the deprivation of women with disability in Indonesia. Uh, and I suspect it will be the same in South Africa when we do that. But in particular, in Indonesia, we can see uh, that women who live with disabilities are really extremely deprived. And, uh, and uh, as are men with disabilities, but women more so. So I think these are some of the issues that the IDM data can point us to. And hopefully it will have an impact on policy and programming if we're serious about leaving no one behind. Thanks, Janet and Sharon. That was Janet Hunt and Sharon Bessel, co-directors of the IDM. Thanks very much for joining us for this episode in our special Making the Invisible Visible series as part of Policy Forum Pod. Listeners, we'd love to hear your thoughts on today's discussion. You can reach us via Twitter at Apps Policy Forum, that's APPS Policy Forum, or shoot us a good old-fashioned email, podcast at policyforum.net. You can reach out to the Individual Measure of Multidimensional Poverty directly on Twitter at Research Poverty. If you want to find out more about the research we've discussed today, you can visit immp.crawford.anu.edu. We hope that you enjoyed today's episode. If you have, we'd love you to subscribe to us. We're on Acast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you normally get your favourite series from. And whilst you're there, you might even want to leave us a review. Your support is always greatly appreciated. Your regular episode of Policy Forum Pod will be out on Friday, and I'll be back with you next week to look into the research conducted in South Africa in another episode in our special bonus series. So until next time from me, Archibald Gary, thanks for joining us. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. 
The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com. <laughs> 